When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before the NFL draft, Matthew Collar with you, along with Gabe Henderson of Vikings Entertainment. What is going on, Gabe? Great to have you back, buddy. Man, thanks for having me on. This has been a long time coming. Uh, the last couple of years, I've been on your draft simulator podcast this time of the year. So to be back, uh, I, f- I feel like this is my time of the year. So it's our, it's our time to shine together. So appreciate you having me. This is the final draft sim and so just like last year well our friend eric smith was with us last year but now he works for the chargers uh but you are here to do the final official we're going to call it draft sim which accurately predicts the draft a hundred percent of the time i think i don't know i didn't go back and listen to last year (laughs) and see how we did (laughs) but uh you know i want to i want to start with talking about so I started messing around before what I've done in a lot of draft Sims is, you know, I've traded down and I think that's a very realistic thing that they could do. I've taken corners. I've taken receivers. I've taken edge rushers, but you know what? This morning I woke up and I chose trading up. And uh, I, I just want to start with this idea Gabe, because I don't think it's out of the question that this team could look at this quarterback class and say, you know what? One of those three guys, if we get them, those top three, Stroud, Richardson, and Young, if if one of them is there, we want to make sure we're going to go get them. I don't think that's insane. Do you think that's insane? Uh, I don't think that's insane either, Um, but I I think it goes to the point of how high. If the quarterback drops to maybe – you know, eight or nine, like if, if Levis or Richardson, one of those guys kind of drop, I mean, I know we're not into this smock draft yet, but like on my draft board right now, like I'm, I'm at pick number 10 with the Eagles and Anthony Richardson is still on the board. So I think on draft night, if that is the case, I can see the Vikings trying to make a move up because you have a little bit more leverage to be able to move up without giving up as much as you would if you went up to the top three or top four. So that's interesting. I I love your opinion on Richardson because I believe in just staying sort of like with what the opinion is. I don't know, like right after the combine, because all this other stuff comes out, cognition test scores, whatever, Reddit rumors, line moves, which have never made any difference uh, to what happens on draft night. And I tend (laughs) to think that the way that we originally evaluated the guys usually comes out kind of right. And I look at Anthony Richardson and go, I think that I think he should be picked in the top five. Uh, that's the yeah. level of prospect he is, superstar level prospect. And there's always these like, oh, well, you know, this should make this guy drop or this should make this guy drop. But a lot of times common sense sort of rules the day. Uh, but do you agree with that? Because, I mean, like you said, there are a lot of movements of what the mock draft community thinks is going to happen. Yeah. But I still think it's going to be chalk. Yeah, and 
it, it's once if you add in, you know, players being traded also, like on, on teams that are already on current rosters, that also adds to the value of, you know, what trades, what things can happen. And, you know, like right now, nobody's really talking about current players on current rosters being traded on draft day, which is why kind of the smoky mirrors are at its all time high this week. But uh, Anthony Richardson, back to your point, I do think he's one of those guys that you can build your franchise around just because of his big playability. Um, he, he, he's just a guy, I mean, 6'4", what, 240, ran a 4'4", uh, big arm. That That is what you want in a quarterback when you're trying to build pieces of the puzzle around him. Don't put everything on him, I guess, in this rookie year because you can kind of build everything up, build everything else around it without paying him too much. And they kind of let him usher and graduate to the guy that we all know that he can be. So the the, the the ceiling is very high for a quarterback like that, in my opinion. Yeah, and I've been thinking about, because of course, everyone now is mocking the Vikings to take a quarterback, whether it's Hendon Hooker, whether yeah. it's trade up and so forth. And I'm trying, I'm trying to like set the draft stage before we start simulating yeah. here. Um, but one thing I think about a lot is what Quasi Adafalmenta and Kevin O'Connell talked about in their pre-draft press conference about having to really be on the same page with a quarterback, not just taking one to take one. I mean, there certainly is like a theoretical argument of take one to take one because you never know who's going to turn out. Um, but how as a front office could you just to say like, oh, well, you know, if Quasi just said, sorry, man, the data says we're taking this. So head coach who's a former quarterback, this is your guy. Have fun with them. Yeah. Uh, you can't really, you can't really do that. But then I think it's fun to try to get inside the heads of both guys. Like, would Quasi Adafalmenta yeah. believe in a quarterback who didn't have great numbers in Anthony Richardson, but does have astounding NFL combine numbers? Like, is he going to see something there that's Josh Allen-ish, right? That somebody who mm -hmm. can grow. Uh, and also the numbers with Richardson. I mean, if he had stayed in college for two more years or something, like a Hendon Hooker what would his numbers look like if he stayed in college? So there's, there's all these things trying to get into Kevin O'Connell, like Richardson is not the most accurate quarterback right now, but he is accurate down the field, right? By his mm -hmm. numbers. It's kind of a weird conundrum that between like six and 10 yards, he throws it in the dirt too often. You know what I mean? Like all these things, I guess I, I, I want you to try to get inside those guys heads for a second. And just like, what kind of quarterback do you think that they would like to draft knowing that like Kirk's situation is, that his contract is coming up after next year and all these things kind of make sense. Yeah. I think when it comes to the quarterback position, they just want someone that is very accurate and accuracy. It doesn't have to be 50 yards down the field. It's more that middle range from 10 to 30 yards. Yeah. You can throw a quick screen or a quick hitch or a quick slant and ball placement should be there. If you're going to be a, just a good college quarterback, if you want to be a good college quarterback, you better know how to throw a slant route low, and in the in the receiver's stomach across the middle so he doesn't get blown up. That graduates when you get to the NFL. So that middle to long range, that's the kind of quarterback that Quasey and Kevin are both looking at. And we all know Quasey as being an analytical guy. So when I look into his mind, I think of him looking at the tape or him looking at the numbers and saying, okay, I'm only going to watch his air yards past 15 yards, 15 to 45 yards. Who excels best when it comes to that? Because that's where JJ excels the most. Think about what JJ's, uh, his average catch, uh, I guess his average yards per catch was what, like seven or eight yards? Like that's that, that's the starting point. So now he's catching passes 
further down the field. So you want a quarterback that can get him the ball there and not have to worry about, I guess, the quarterback being late or the timing being off or um, him not going through his, going through his progression uh, as well. And a guy that really stands out to me that the Vikings really had, uh, that the Vikings had on their top 30 visit was Tanner McKee. Uh, he's the only quarterback that I know right now that was on the top 30 visit uh, this past week for the Vikings. Um, he was, well, I think he's 6'6", about 230. Stats don't look the greatest. I think he had 13 touchdowns, maybe five, a handful of interceptions. But at the same time, his accuracy and his uh, decision-making process, you look at that and say, okay, like maybe this is the kind, this is the type of guy that Quasey and Kevin want, somebody that kind of knows how to game manage and then put players in the right position to be uh, successful. And if Anthony Richardson is that guy, then okay, let, let, let's go for it. But at the same time, I believe Quasey is looking for some of those intermediate throws when he comes to the decision of who is going to be our quarterback of the future. Kirk Cousins yeah. knows how to do that. But at the same time, you got to get somebody that's a little bit more athletic if you want to be able to, I guess, transition to the new era of football, the way it's played with a, a mobile quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing there seems like C.J. Stroud, um, you know, very much of someone who's an incredible thrower of the football, a really good athlete. I mean, not like a Justin Fields runner, if we're using Ohio State comparisons, uh, but he, <laughs> he certainly can't, but he certainly can uh, take off if he needs to. But the intermediate accuracy for him is just absolutely marvelous. And I think you saw that at the combine. You saw that against Georgia. Um, I mean, his statistics are just fantastic. Uh, so I think, I mean, this is a class that to me features three dudes that I would make my bets on. Will Levis, I'm feeling less confident in. You mentioned Tanner McKee, which is kind of interesting because there's some people that actually really yeah. like him in the draft world and other people who think he's like a fourth round draft pick. And I guess we'll find out. But McKee is kind of the, he's like the, if they took someone at 87. Right. That's kind of how yeah. I look at it. And I'm not sure that I love the idea, but he is interesting, too, because Stanford's offense was um, played like it was 1993. Uh, so, <laughs> so and you know, there is kind of like a, a whole part of that that makes the evaluation so different because each guy is in a different place in their entire like college career. The circumstances are so different. I think that's why the quarterback position is so difficult and so fascinating at the same time. Yeah, and, and you you made a really good point. And of Tanner McKee is probably a middle round draft pick type of guy, and maybe that's what Quasey and Kevin are looking at. Maybe they go, uh, you know, a, a big playmaker uh, first, or try to move up in the second round, and then get that quarterback of the future that they can build that has, you know, some type of potential to work with to help this whole process of developing a quarterback come to fruition. I mean, think about it. Kevin and Quasey both came from San Francisco. So they understand how that quarterback system works. All you need is somebody to game manage. You bring back your, your offensive line, make sure those guys are protecting up front, and then you can just plug and play a guy right there. Kirk Cousins, fourth-round quarterback. So it, it can be done, and it's more so of what do the analytics say? What is the most value you can get during the middle of the draft? Because we know that's where Quasey, that's where he flourishes. If you look at just last year, Brian Asamoa, um, um, I, I'm, I'm – Jalen Naylor, I'm just forgetting names right now. Those were some of those value picks that I think a guy like Tanner McKee, if that is what they're, if that's where they're going to go, I think that's where they can flourish and you can build a guy through the draft and not have to worry about spending too much money on. Okay. So yeah, I, we've kind of gone back and forth um, about, 
just the mid round quarterback. I'm not really sold on it. I mean, you make a good point that same, the 40, same, same. the four, the 49ers would tend to believe in this more. And yet, you know, so like Kevin O'Connell, where he was in Los Angeles, they moved on from a quarterback that had limitations to one with a stronger arm. So, I mean, you could try to like, it's basically that, you know, tinfoil hat or putting, you know, the strings of yarn together and trying to connect all the dots as we do with the quarterback uh, position. But as you go into, so let's say uh, you're just giving uh, one last final statement in your pre-SIM press conference here, Gabe. Uh, how do you feel, how do you feel about like positions of need? Like I, I did in my little purple insider draft guide, uh, purpleinsider.com, everyone, if you want to go find it. Um, but I ranked all the positions and I really struggled between corner and wide receiver as the next after obviously quarterback is going to be number one. Um, it's the most important position in sports, but receiver and corner, I couldn't decide. And I even think there's, there's a good case for like an outside linebacker slash edge rusher as well. I guess, how do you rank those as you go into your SIM? Yeah, I would probably go wide receiver first. Um, I feel like the wide receiver class is very top heavy. Um, I'm thinking, I can't think of his name. Uh, he, he played at Tennessee this past year, six foot, 190 pounds. He was Hendon Hooker's top receiver. He's a guy that could fall to, to the second round that you can kind of trade back and still get a lot of value. But at the same time, outside of receiver, I think the, one of the most underrated positions of need is inside linebacker. You got Brian Asamoah, you got Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is on a one-year deal. Brian Asamoah is the future of that position. That, that's one linebacker already solidified. But the other one, you got to build up another linebacker to kind of meet the needs of what's expected in this Brian Flores defense. Yeah, edge rusher, you, you, you need a good pass rusher at the same time, but I, I do think you can find a good corner in the middle of the draft that can kind of negate that pass rushing uh, type of ordeal, especially if you – uh, find a way to pay Daniil Hunter. If you if you pay Daniil Hunter the way he played towards the end of last season, I think you could find a, a serviceable outside linebacker if Zadarius Smith isn't here in purple this upcoming season. So uh, uh, wide receiver for sure, number one, or quarterback wide receiver, you can 1A, 1B, and then I would probably go inside linebacker and then cornerback. That would be like my top three, top four. Yeah, I like the idea. I came around on the idea, I should say, of finding a, a Brian Flores linebacker who can blitz a lot and and pick up sacks and, yeah. and play in a very versatile role. I don't really love the idea of kind of more, a more traditional type of guy just based on positional value. But if it's a Drew Sanders who's going to line up in different spots, blitz, but also play inside linebacker and kind of just be a menace. Uh, I do like that idea, but that's to me, that's a little more yeah. of a trade down idea, which I, I feel like, I feel like we should roll here. I feel like we should sim and then start talking about our theories. Um, so I'm just going to sure. say first, but, Oh, go ahead. Go in, ahead. The, in the same, in the, in the same breath, I, I, the reason why I don't have outside linebacker as high as what a lot of other people do is because this Brian Flores defense blitzes a ton. So if you're, if you're sending five people, that kind of negates having that elite edge rusher every single play. You kind of take the pressure off that edge rusher and then bring five or six guys and then have your cornerback be the guy that kind of makes those big-time plays. So that that's kind of my, my thought process on that. But, yeah, we can probably get into that on this mock draft simulator. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about someone like a Jack Campbell from Iowa, he could kind of do mm-hmm. everything, right? I mean, it, it feels mm-hmm. like he can rush the passer. He could stop the run. He could play in coverage because he's got that Anthony Barr size and versatility. And I think someone like that is very valuable for them uh, for a Brian Flores defense. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's get into it. I'm just going to start off and I know you're the guest, so I'd prefer generally that you go first, but I got to tell you, I decided to go hot. I just decided that I was going to trade up to the number three overall pick. I was going to make it happen no matter what to trade up, to take a quarterback in the top three. And do you know what it cost me, Gabe? Everything. How much? It cost me a lot. <laughs> uh, I had the, the simulator would not do it for anything less than three first round picks. But you know what? Oh, wow. We here, Pur- Purple Insider Scouting Industries, we've had the whole scouting department, which is just me, watching every second of every tape of all the quarterbacks. You know what? We determined that any of those three could be the franchise quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings to pair with Kevin O'Connell and Justin Jefferson and lead this franchise into the future. So before I drafted, I traded up to number three. Your thoughts? I like that. I think you you are all in on the future of the Minnesota Vikings versus trying to win now. And I'm not opposed to your, your thought process because it takes a really good quarterback to be good in the NFL. So you gave up a lot, but I, I, I love the aggression. I mean, think about Brian Flores, uh, aggressive but not reckless. So I don't, I, I wouldn't call that reckless. Maybe a tad reckless. Uh, but you know what I, you know what I'm thinking though. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that number 23 is just an okay pick. I'm thinking that Kirk will still be the quarterback next year, and that they will be good. And let's say they win nine to 11 games. Then you're drafting what? Let's say, you know, you get a the win the division because the Lions all gamble on sports and all get suspended. And so then you yeah. end up with uh, <laughs> you end up with a, a division win, a home playoff game and you draft 23rd again. Right. Like, I don't think that they're going to be drafting in the top five to get Caleb Williams, to get Drake May. I don't think they're going to be there for next year because they still have a very good and competitive roster. So that's kind of my logic is if I end up giving up the 23rd pick, the 17th pick, and then whatever happens in 2025 to get Anthony Richardson, who I can rest for a year, put in with two, to me, two of the immediate best athletic players in the NFL, Justin Jefferson and Anthony Richardson. I, I think to me that says build around him and have a real chance to go chase a Super Bowl. So I'm I'm going for it. I'm going for it. And uh, that is how it played out for me is it went C.J. Stroud number one, which I don't think is going to happen, then Bryce Young, and I am picking Anthony Richardson. So we did it. We've got the quarterback. Mission accomplished. Um, what are you doing in the first round? Anything exciting? Yeah, I think I think you could have waited until four with the Colts and trade it because the critical media, the media critics, the media critics. (laughs) So my draft board. So Anthony Richardson went off, went off the board at eight. He went to the Falcons and I couldn't give up enough to to get him. So I just waited and I sweated it out. And my number one receiver fell to me, Jordan Addison at twenty three. So. USC receiver, five foot eleven, ran a four three, just a big play type of guy, and he's a receiver that we just don't have in this offense. Like Justin Jefferson, he can pretty much do whatever you want. Best receiver in the game, but at the same time, JJ is not a burner. He's not going to just run past your fastest DB. That's what Jordan Addison can do. So 
I, I like him. I think he's a really good route runner, really good hands, really good physicality. But the, the best thing he does is just beat your fastest player and the score is touchdown. So uh, that's where I'm going with 23. But also I made a trade. I made a trade with the Miami Dolphins. I traded Dalvin Cook and next year's fourth round pick for the Miami Dolphins second rounder. So I know oh, I got a second wow. rounder. 51 overall. So now I got a first, a second, and a third. I am impressed with this. Uh, you, I mean, this this would be just brilliant work by Quasi Dafalmenta, waiting until the actual draft, waiting until the Dolphins got desperate and said, you know what? We actually do need that one more piece. We're all in. Oh, Aaron Rodgers plays in the division. We need another playmaker. Let's go get Delvin Cook and give up probably, honestly, way too much for him at that point. But that's, I mean, that would be, that'd be a home run. That'd be a home run. It's not a slight on Delvin Cook. It's just the reality of running backs. But uh, that would be an absolute home run. So now you're going to have a second round pick. So you are back on the clock. But let me just say this, that Jordan Addison has been, for whatever this is worth, which is not a lot, my favorite receiver in this draft. Mm -hmm. And part of what you mentioned was the, sh the short area quickness for him and the route running. He's just open all the time. When he played at Pitt, yeah. he was open all the time. Kenny Pickett became a first-round mm -hmm. draft pick in part because of Jordan Addison. And, okay, Caleb Williams is a freak show, but he helped maximize Caleb Williams. He was open a lot. And mm -hmm. I think, to me, a guy who does have good speed, as you mentioned, but also can get off the line of scrimmage, get open at the top of routes and things like that, that, that to me is, is a skill because you're going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations with Justin Jefferson on the other side. Yeah. That to me is a very ideal situation. Somebody who has great quickness and can get open. So I love that draft pick. I mean, mine, I'll admit, I'm kind of being a little ridiculous here uh, to just go all in and do this crazy <laughs> trade everything. But yours is, I think, realistic and a very good idea to get that partner for Justin Jefferson. And, and one thing that I just, it only came to my mind the other day when KJ Osborne was talking, but I was like, wait, KJ Osborne's a free agent after this year. There is no guarantee yeah. he's a long-term Viking. Yeah. So it's not just replacing Thielen. It's also thinking forward as well. So I love that pick. What is your approach to the second round? Yeah, my approach to the second round is just now that we have the, the receiver that we want, because my number two receiver, I was going to wait it out. Like I, like I told you, I tried to trade up to eight with the, with the Falcons to get Anthony Richardson. Didn't work out. And just so happened, uh, Jordan Addison fell. But if Jordan Addison didn't fall, I would have waited into the second round and got more capital and drafted Jalen Hyatt. That's who I was talking about, the receiver out of Tennessee. He's my second favorite receiver in this entire draft. But since we already got our receiver, I'm going to go with the guy at 51 who fell to me that threw to Jalen Hyatt last year, Hendon Hooker. I know a lot of people aren't the highest on him, but aren't the lowest on him. But at the same time, give him a year, let him develop under Kirk. He's a guy that has Anthony Richardson type potential, big arm, big, just superstar type potential. So I, he fell to me. I, I don't know how I'm getting so lucky, but at the same time, that trade uh, for Dalvin Cook. So essentially, I got a quarterback for Dalvin Cook and Hendon Hooker. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, let's talk about Hendon Hooker for a second, though, because, I mean, the Vikings either 
making a trade with a player involved to be there. I mean, I think that is uh, plausible or even just trading back and being in the second round. And I'm not sure that I'm convinced Hendon Hooker will be taken in the first round. Uh, it's been a very weird year uh, for him or last five months, six months yeah. where he hasn't played any football. And yet he has gone all over the mock drafts. Like he was in the fourth round by the mock draft database. He was like in the third or fourth round and then shot up again, having played no football. <laughs> it's a very weird, but I think it started to kind of get out that a lot of evaluators really liked him. And my, this has been the official purple insider stance is if Kevin O'Connell really loves Hendon hooker and believes that his intelligence, his deep passing, which was fantastic. And the athleticism he has all adds up to somebody he wants to be his future quarterback. Then I am in on that. I have questions and I have concerns because of the age mostly and the pocket presence was a little 25. questionable but but if kevin o'connell wants that to be his guy i'm not going to say oh wow what what are you doing vikings no i would i would have to say all right i get it and that's your quarterback for 2024 and now you have an answer but what is your take on on him in general because i feel like he's kind of a debatable prospect Yes, sub subjectively, I'm a little biased towards him because he's from he's from North Carolina. I'm a North Carolina guy. We grew up an hour from each other. So like subjectively, that's my, I guess, affinity for him. Objectively, uh, if you look at just his college statistics, 2018 didn't play redshirt at Virginia Tech. 2019 only played nine games, and then 2020 was the COVID year. So you you look at just those three years, and it's just like the guy never really had a chance. So I understand that thought process of him going to Tennessee and then only throwing five interceptions in two years there, SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Like, the, the, the guy was the best offensive player in the best conference in college football, and he's 25 years old. So that may be a knock, but for me, I'm looking at it as like, okay, this guy is already mature and wise enough to lead a team. Like, he understands okay, I, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. I, I know how to lead grown men. So I, honestly, I think that's an advantage for him, having played five years of football and then having the opportunity to come in and lead a team. So I I like him. Like, he he's a guy that, for me, he, he can easily be a, a boom or a bust. But if he has a year to prepare under a guy like Kirk, that kind of raises, the, that that lowers the chances of him being a bust. Yeah, I mean, I think that the floor would be higher. And I also just really like everything that's said about his character. Uh, you know, like you yeah. said, like t taking a program, and I'm always kind of keeping an eye out for this, taking a program that was in the dumps for how long? I mean, what was it, T. Martin that was the last good yeah. uh, Tennessee quarterback? Yeah. I mean, they, they've been yeah. a kind of a disaster forever. And uh, our friend Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune, you know, he's a Tennessee fan. And, uh, you know, for a long time, for the entire time that I've known Chip, I've just made fun of him for Tennessee football uh, until Hendon Hooker came along. So there is something to that. <laughs> Uh, Dak Prescott did that. Like there's a lot of kind of guys who have taken and elevated their programs, high, high intelligence, doing really well on whiteboards, remembering offenses, these things all, they all matter. And he's got a great deep ball, which I think really matters to Kevin O'Connell. So I would not knock this pick. I would say, okay, I get it. This is a, this is a good way to go. But I would also say that one thing that's good about it is if you draft a guy in the second, as opposed to the first, like you did, it's less pressure on the front office to say this is yep. absolutely our franchise quarterback. So if you end up going six and 11, a bunch of things go wrong. Hey, maybe the guy misses the 61 yard field goal at the end of the game. You lose all the one score games. 
you could still consider trading up and drafting a number one quarterback if you don't love, love, love what you see behind the scenes. So I think that your scenario is actually really ideal for them in terms of picking a quarterback. Yeah, I I just think that you, you have a lot of more, you have a lot more opportunities for growth if you don't put the pressure on yourself early on. And just Kevin and Quasey being so calculated, I can see them, honestly, to your point of trying to draft up and get their guy, but also if that doesn't work, just waiting it out and letting Hendon Hooker fall to them. You have the capital to trade back and get the quarterback that you want if Hendon Hooker is your guy. So, yeah, go all in. Like, go Matthew Collar on this. And if the Collar the collar way doesn't work, then we'll, we'll go with the, uh, the Hendon Hooker way. All right, so now I am uh, in the third round. Um, the hooker way, it was actually my album. Um, so uh, I am sitting here with a need at wide receiver, as we discussed, and some pretty decent wide receiver prospects on the board. Rasheed Rice from SMU is a guy that, uh, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know a ton about other than that he had amazing numbers this year. 96 mm-hmm. catches, 1,300 yards, he is a little on the older side. He's kind of been talked about as more of a possession type wide receiver than like a big mm-hmm. play guy. But you know what? That's not a bad thing for this team. Uh, there's also Michael Wilson, who really intrigues me uh, as uh, a guy who was banged up a lot in college, which I know nobody wants to hear or nobody wants to pick that guy. But he shined mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl. And a lot of people think that, you know, he could be a, a good wide receiver. He kind of is like Robert Woods vibes a little bit to me, mm-hmm. like tough, strong, uh, good blocker, all that stuff. So I'm going to go receiver here. I don't know which one is going to be a better pick. So I'm just going to go Rasheed Rice on this selection because there's okay. interior rushers. There's one corner who I like, which is uh, Tra- uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson. But I think receiver is very important also to have somebody to come into the draft class with my new quarterback that I spent three first round picks on. So I'm going with Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver. Okay. Well, I don't know too much about him, but I think wide receiver is definitely a way that, well, an avenue that you have to take, especially if you're Matthew Collar, you go quarterback early on. You have to have uh, another guy to to have him throw it to. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I, I'm big on wide receivers this year in the draft. Like this is a deep wide receiver class, but at the same time, you, you definitely need to find a guy that is a compliment to J.J., like now that Adam Thielen's gone, um, I know a lot of fans are like, wow, we, we should have re-signed Adam Thielen. Or other fans are like, well, I'm glad that he's gone. Well, one good thing that Adam was, he was a good compliment to JJ. He was a sure pass catcher, a good route runner. Yeah, he wasn't going to get many yards after the catch, but those intermediate catchers of first downs, you need that. So hopefully KJ can make that step. And then your guy that you just picked can make that step also to kind of lead this troop for this Minnesota Vikings offense. For me in the third round, I went linebacker. And I, I, f- I feel like I could have traded back for this guy. But since I only did three rounds and I wanted to just get this on, I went DeMarvion Overshone, Texas linebacker, the 6'4", 224 hybrid linebacker that is freakishly athletic. And personally, I think him and who's the other guy? I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head. Um Jack Campbell, not Jack Campbell, uh, Dan Henley from Washington State. Both of those guys are really hybrid linebackers that can run up the seam with the tight end, can run sideline to sideline with the running back, but can also fill their nose in a hole and stop a running back from getting those 
I guess, gash or big chunk yardage down the field. So uh, DeMarvion Overshone, if if he is used correctly in this Brian Flores defense, if that's what Brian Flores wants, man, like that is a game changer of a linebacker. Just the size alone is 40. I think he ran a 4.5 at 6'4", 225. So that that alone and plus turning on the tape can can make this Minnesota Vikings defense better immediately. So I, I like it. We talked a little bit about just the linebacker position. I think this is a great spot to get one. Um, if you're taking mm-hmm. it at 23, I would probably say you went a little too high on that. Um, a trade back scenario into the second, I would be okay with. And definitely in the third, I mean, just look no farther than Brian Asamoa, where I feel like they got a really yeah. good prospect there. And there's kind of a hot zone. I think for running backs and linebackers, there's kind of a hot zone in the draft. If you take one in the late second, mid second into the third, you can get guys who normally would be more of first round ish prospects, but everyone's drafting the more key positions or the more valuable positions ahead of those guys. But if you wait too long, then you're looking at getting like, uh, you know, a bunch, you know, guys, the Vikings have drafted probably too many fourth and fifth round linebackers that just weren't really of the standard of the NFL. So there's probably like either do it then or kind of wait till undrafted free agency. So I think you picked them right. in the right spot. So here's one takeaway that I have overall for both of our drafts is Mm -hmm. it there's just so many ways that could go that would get an A, I think, from fans if they did it. So like yours, I would give yours an A. I mean, I would say like getting Hendon Hooker, who people were mocking in the first receiver linebacker so you didn't have to make any sacrifices for these other positions you traded a player that we all knew was getting traded anyway and it ended up with a, a an absolute winning trade that probably won't happen but um is in your mm-hmm. you know this situation we can always be surprised so i but i also feel like had you drafted like a corner and waited on receiver that you could still be in pretty good shape there. Or if you had just right. traded down out of the first, like, isn't that amazing? Like, I don't know if there's another draft that I've covered with the Vikings where I, there's so many things you could talk me into. <laughs> right. Cause it's there that when it comes to, cause what, like our, our, our main areas of concern is the defensive side of the ball. And the fact that you can get some quality defensive players in the middle of the draft it's a win-win for this Minnesota Vikings team. And yeah, offensively for teams looking for offensive guys to come in and make plays right away. Yeah. You may have to reach in the first round, but at the same time, it takes a while for those offensive guys, unless you're JJ to really have that breakout rookie season. So yeah, you could have went corner. I mean, you could trade back and get two thirds and then go cornerback and then linebacker in the third and then get both. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes is probably going to be there late second round. So there's endless opportunities for this Minnesota Vikings team to really, I guess, get some valuable depth to be able to make some room for, uh, I guess, future growth for some of those young guys. Because, yeah, you you, you got your veterans here right now. You still got uh, Harrison Phillips. You still got uh, Jordan Hicks. You still got Harrison uh, Smith, like Daniil Hunter. Like there are some good quality veterans that these young guys can learn from and still get quality reps out there on the field. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. To your point, like you can the, – the it's, it's a win-win if they do this thing right. Okay, let me ask you this uh, last question for you. Yeah. Now that, you've, now that you've been a Minnesotan for a couple of years, as we go into kind of a big night here, there's got to be some reflection on your part. Like this is what, your second yeah. draft, maybe third uh, draft. Third. You, 
third draft. Okay, so it feels like just yesterday you were arriving here in Minnesota via you, from North Carolina, went to Liberty, yeah. worked for Washington, now here, which, hey, look, Washington is going to have a normal owner at some point. So maybe uh, that's too bad you missed that. But uh, anyway, um, and, and th- that doesn't matter. They're going to change their name, hopefully, to the Washington Sharks. So it's better than the Commanders. But oh that's a whole other it's a whole other conversation. It's just brutal. But uh, I, I, I want you to be reflective, though. I want you to be reflective. Yeah. Third draft. What, how, how are you feeling about being a Minnesotan, the organization, you know, the whole thing? I mean, I, I, I feel like you came in, you fit in very well with just the whole scene, uh, you know. So uh, how's it working for you? Man, Minnesota has been it, – it's been a, a learning curve for sure. But once I figured it out, like this has been one of the best transitions I've ever made in my life. Um, Minnesota personally has, like, pushed me to learn different things, like – you know, like I'm from the South, like there's people from the South and people from the East coast. Like we do things one way and this is like, that's who we are. Minnesotans are kind of the same way. They're from Minnesota and they only love Minnesota. So for me to come up here and like, kind of, I guess, first and foremost, be welcomed by the Minnesota community, the Vikings community, the media, even yourself, like that's helped me kind of fill my way out and go from there. But at the same time, the transition has been so smooth. Like I'm so proud to, to live here now, to be a part of this organization, to, to have some really good friends. Like I, I feel like a lot of our conversations happen off camera. And that that's what I love most about just being in Minnesota. It's like, yeah, like work has to get done. Like the A topic is the A topic, but two, people are just people. Like, let's just have a really good conversation. Let's go have a beer and just go from there. So um, going into my third draft, I think this is my fourth draft now because I got here April of 2020. So 2020, yeah, fourth draft. And just seeing how things have started to change um, as far as like with the front office, uh, this this team getting younger, um, just some of the accolades that just the organization facility has won. Um, I, I think this organization is trending in the right direction. And <laughs> just looking at how the, I know this is a Vikings podcast, but just looking at how the Timberwolves and Twins kind of find ways to be average I think this is a really good opportunity for the Minnesota Vikings to kind of change the course and change the, the course of like what Minnesota sports can be. Um, if, if the Vikings do this right, I can see the Timberwolves, the Twins, the Wild, kind of, leave, I mean, kind of following suit and just saying, okay, look, we're going all in. We're just getting the best player instead of just trying to find the right guys that quote unquote fit. So um, I love it, man. And hopefully this year is a, a really good year for, uh, I guess, towards the future. Um, finding ways to be average is actually on the state sign. When you come in, it says sports teams find their way to be average. Uh, you know, the one, the one thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up though, is the driving. It took me a long time to adjust. It is a very different scene out there on the, on the roads than it is anywhere else in the country. I was just in Florida for a couple of days uh, visiting a friend and I was reminded people actually use the horn in other places. They also merge in other places <laughs> as opposed to just staring at you and just waiting right. until your two cars run into each other. And so big, big adjustments there, I got to say. Oh my gosh. And uh, 494 is probably the worst highway in history of highways ever. Like it, it, there's, there's always traffic one and then there's always an accident too. And then there's always like random construction. Like you can be driving like literally, like my course of 
I guess my, my drive to work changed in the course of a day. Like I, I got a, <laughs> I was driving, this was probably two weeks ago and I was driving on 494 and I think it was like exit 2B was like closed until July, 2025. Remind you, like I drove in a, that, that exit the day before. And then the following day, it's just like closed until 2025. It's like, dude, what? Ooh. Hey, dude, we didn't get an email. Like there, there was no kind of like uh, notification saying that, Hey, prepare for this. Like nobody watches the news. So maybe like that's where it was, but still like dri driving can be a lot better here in Minnesota. And uh, I, I feel like I've become more of a Minnesota driver just because I'm like, all right, oh, yeah. no, 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 you go first. No, you, no, you go for, are you sure? No, you go. So I, I hate that for myself, but I guess it's a part of just living here now, right? You have to be. Also, there's always random construction is also on the sign. It's a big sign. Uh, but that's another <laughs> thing where it's just endless. Like I had a route where I jogged all the time and then suddenly a bridge was just out. And they're like, oh, okay. I guess I'm not jogging that way anymore. Because uh, that's exactly how it works. That's for sure. Uh, well, yeah, you have, uh, you've, you've fit in great uh, with, with all you. of us, I think, here. And you've been a tremendous addition. Uh, so I'm super glad you could come on. I love this tradition of us doing a draft sim right before the draft. And I also feel like just for your job in particular, um, you know, the Wilfs investment in Vikings Entertainment Network, it really shows your product is fantastic. So Gabe Henderson, thanks so much Thank for coming you. on, man. And good luck merging out there and have fun with everything draft related. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, man. And keep keep up the good work. You're, I mean, I know a lot of people say it, but like you're one of my favorite follows on social media and in person. Like you, you, you work your ass off, and I love that. And I love your grind and continue to do that, man. I appreciate that. I'm feeling that a little bit this week, um, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll put our heads down and, and get to day three and those final picks. So thanks again, Gabe, and thanks everybody for listening.